Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization. Hector can help you plan for your family's future. Also, of course, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 197, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And maybe you will be, because we got a loaded podcast today. We've got to get to the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, perhaps. We will have the Sean Payton conversation. We've got ESPN's Todd Archer, who's going to jump on with us. We've got some thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame, the NFL overtime debate, all kinds of different things, even a new way to dispose of your body after you die. <laughs> did you see that? I did. See, that's what, that's did what's that. up. I saw it for sure. I saw it. Are you kidding me? I I dug into it, man. So we're going to get into all that. But before we get rolling, let's tell you about our buddy Hector Flores. I will tell you this. Jacques and I, we had a phone conversation with Hector a couple of weeks ago, and I... I actually, I really enjoyed talking to him. It was easy. I think if you give Hector a call with Modern Woodman of America, he can do things to help you plan for you and your family's future. And he does it in a way that it really just made a lot of sense to me. And I came away, I was really impressed with Hector and his whole mission and his belief and all that type of thing of, he just wants to help people. He wants to help you find a better path for your future and I think that, honestly, you know, money is one of those things that, that quite honestly, can be really, really weird for a lot of people. But I found that as one of those things in our conversation with him that he can sit down and really just kind of lay out a plan for you. Well, that's because he's an expert. And when you're an expert at something, man, it's easy for you to break it down and teach other people uh, the nuance of it without being real complicated or using a lot of technical mumbo-jumbo jargon and stuff. Um, the thing I like about it when you talk to Hector is he puts a plan together, man. And then it's really about being no different than a player following a game plan that a coach, in this part, in this case a financial coach, has put together for you. You follow the game plan, you should have success. And I, let's let Hector tell you a little story here himself because I thought this was something cool and it kind of gives you an idea of what we're talking about. Let me tell you the story of, of my parents, okay? So my parents, both of them barely graduated high school with GEDs, okay? together in their best year they never made more than eighty thousand dollars but 
We never needed for anything. My parents today, they're, they'll be 70 later this year. They've been retired for a little while. Their house is paid off. Their cars are paid off. They, they go to Europe. They go to Hawaii. They travel. They do whatever they want. The main reason is because my dad was always a good saver. He paid cash, and he met with a financial advisor when he was in his 30s. Helped maximize his retirement account. He's got a brokerage account that you know he got, had some money in it, so on and so forth, good insurance. And so it's not about how much you make. It's about it's that old ad. It's about how much you keep, truly. It's about how much you keep. And that's, that's really part of it that I think a lot of us struggle with, honestly. And Hector can lay out a path and lay out a plan to help you do that. So give him a call. He's going to help you. I promise you. Give Hector Flores a call with Modern Woodman of America, 940-453-3490. 940-453-3490. It's Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America. Also, of course, the attorneys, the green team at Greening Law. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice from a physician or injured on the premises of a business, there's so many different reasons that you may have come across and you're not sure how to approach it. But if you think you've got a case, you need to give Robert Greening at Greening Law a call. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against those insurance companies. And here's the deal. It doesn't cost you a single solitary nickel to pick up the phone and make the call. And it might be the best thing you ever do. Uh, you know, Grinning Law, they're one of the uh, top firms in the country. They've been awarded as such. But you ain't got to take our word for it. You can listen to Matt talk about him. He'll tell you that they ask him questions that he didn't even know he was supposed to know the answer to. They take care of all the little things. And how about this? They don't get paid <laughs> unless you get paid. I'm telling you, that's the best deal out there. It is. It really is. And, and like you said, man, I mean, the fact that you can call them and it's it doesn't cost anything and you can kind of talk through what you've got and, and they'll let you know straight up. I mean, they'll say, OK, they'll ask you a few questions. And if they got if you have a case, they'll say, yeah, you've got something. Let's move forward with this. They'll tell you and it's free to find out. Nine, seven, two, nine, three, four, eighty nine hundred. That's the number. Nine, seven, two, nine, three, four, eighty nine hundred. It's Robert Greening. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, my goodness gracious, my friend. Did you? I think we all today. I was in the middle of doing my radio show. And it was 1 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, January 25th. And all of a sudden, Ian Rappaport puts up on Twitter, breaking news, New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton has informed the Saints that he will be stepping down. After, what, 16 seasons, he got there in 2006. Sean Payton is walking away from New Orleans. Dude, what do you give up to get Sean Payton? Do you give (laughs) up anything to give Sean Payton? What are the odds that Sean Payton ever coaches a game with a blue cap and a silver star or a silver cap and a blue star visor? I guess he's a visor guy. You know what? Let, Let me ask you this question. And because you were hardcore, and I know you and Jerry used to have conversations and, and back before social media was huge and everything, and you could just call and, and have a chat with the owner. Back in the early aughts, what would you have said about the same question about Bill Parcells? Because keep in ah. mind, Bill Parcells had been retired. Bill Parcells was out of football for three full seasons. Before he came to Dallas. And so in that interim, when he had finally left and it looked like, okay, well, Bill Parcells is actually done. And he people forget forget this about Parcells, where he had bounced around a little bit. 
And he had gone from the Giants and actually set out for a couple of years and came back to New England and the trade and that whole thing with the Jets. And then he, he stopped, he left the Jets in 1999. And there was that time period. And I just kind of wonder at that point, did you ever get the feeling that, that Jerry was in love with Bill Parcells like he seems to be with Sean Payton? You know, that's a uh, that's an interesting question, man, because, you know, I, th- I think Sean was just well respected. And, and I don't think I don't think anybody knew what Sean was going to become at that point, other than, you know, he was a well respected coach. He was going to have a bright future, but I don't think anybody could have predicted per se that he's going to be one of the best coaches in the league for a long time. Um, you know, so it, it's hard to say uh, from back then. I just know that when you look back at it, that was one of the best staffs ever put together in terms of guys who left and became head coaches uh, that Parcells had here from Zimmer to Bowles to Sperano to Peyton. And that's just literally to Anthony Lynn. Um, that's literally off the top of my head. Um, and that's five head coaches, which is, I mean, think about that, bro. In the NFL, literally off the top. Yeah, of Yeah, and head. Zimmer, yeah. Mike Zimmer was there. Yeah, didn't I say Zimmer? Well, he had oh, Todd Haley, so, yeah. so maybe Haley, that's yeah. six. Romeo so Cornell. No, nah, he was never in Dallas. Not in Dallas, but, but uh, oh, you're talking about just Dallas staff. I got you. I yeah, got you. I'm, ta- I'm talking about like that 2005 staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those cats were on there. So, you know, he's a, he was a terrific coach amongst terrific coaches, but um, let's just say they, they all knew he was a really quality coach, and that's why the relationship has been so good over the years and why they've always thought about how can we get him. You know, man, I once watched this movie, and this movie was like the Cowboys and, uh, and Peyton, which is it was this couple – they were high school sweethearts, and at various points throughout their lives, you know, they went to different colleges, so they married other people, and then one got divorced, but the other one was married, and then by the time the other one got divorced, the other one was married, <laughs> and, they, and even though they all loved each other through the course of time, they could never get the timing right, so ultimately, they never got together. See, I, I just wonder... The frustration that we heard from Jerry and some of the comments that he made last week talking about it's up to him and, you know, I don't want to hear this crap about, well, we got to fix this in the offseason and then pointing out if I thought there was somebody else out there and saying that in his time, there's been very, very few people out there that he thought, and he mentioned Bill Belichick by name. I just wonder if he sees Sean Payton like that and, and if he feels like he's got to make a move, you know, to get Sean Payton. And maybe I don't think it happens now. And maybe if it doesn't happen now, it never happens because there's also the idea, and you've talked about this with Chan Gailey, and he's mentioned it, about one of his biggest regrets being that he didn't give Chan Gailey more of an opportunity. Would he regret, and this is where he's going to have to make this decision, does he regret that maybe the love of his life is available and they could both be single at the same time? Or is he going to make a rash decision and look back and go, man, I wish I'd stayed with McCarthy a little bit longer? Dude, that's the uh, that's a tough question. My my suspicion is because there's a lot of moving parts to it, meaning Sean Payton going to bring his own people in here, his own staff and stuff. And so you'd have to pay all the guys you got under contract, or most of them anyway, to disappear, and include, including McCarthy, who's probably got, what, three years left on his deal? Yeah. Then you got to trade the Saints whatever they want to get Peyton, which is at, at worst a first round draft pick. All right. Then you got to hire Peyton, pay, make him the NFL's highest paid coach because you know that's coming. 
so you got to do that at probably ten million a year for five years. Uh, then you got to hire all his assistants. So that's a big. Now you know they they print money, but they don't like to spend money. That's the difference now. Okay, they print money, but they don't like to spend it. And so when I think you put all those three moving parts together, I don't see it getting done. Although I wouldn't do this, Matt. I wouldn't do it, but I would consider giving my granddaughter to Jerry as a sous chef because she likes to cook. Um, you know, for a period of you know four or five years, if he would do that deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean you know, like she's a she goes to Duncanville's culinary. I mean she's just, she's in Duncanville's culinary school. She fancies herself being a chef from day to day. I mean she is a teenager, and so yeah, I would I would let Alana be his Jerry Jones's personal sous chef for a period of I don't know four or five years. Um, if he would just hire Sean Payton. Okay. All right. Well, there it is. <laughs> you know, but this is really, really interesting to me because I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton is serious and just wants to take a year off. And we have seen, and that's kind of why I was bringing up Bill Parcells. We've seen coaches, and it's not just Parcells. We've seen coaches do this many times where they take away, they just a year away from the game. Mike McCarthy did it after he got let go from Green Bay. And I, I don't know that it matters that Sean Payton is free. I truly believe that if Mike McCarthy doesn't get this thing to an NFC championship game next year, he's going to get fired anyway. And, and I don't think, for me, like if Sean Payton was, had never said, I'm leaving New Orleans, three years into this thing, if the Cowboys do what we expect them to do again next year, which is probably not be as good, and they still can't get past the divisional round, I think Jerry right. was going to look around and be like, what the hell did I even bring McCarthy here for? <laughs> and now the oh, fact no. that, that Peyton could be out there, I think makes it even more likely. But I think the writing was already on the wall for McCarthy. Oh, I, I don't think there's any, uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, bro. Um, he knows what the deal is. And, and so this ain't no surprise to him. He knows he's got to win next year. Uh, otherwise, there'll be a change. Now, there's always some, you know, some weird circumstances that could get you a fourth year. But the the expectation is that you're going to win win big and get the Cowboys to the NFC Championship game for the first time in 27 years uh, next year. And if not, you're going to pay with your job. And that's okay. I mean, that, that's the deal. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, bro, it is, it is what it is. That's exactly true, which is why I do think that this may put a little bit more pressure on it because if Sean Payton does truly take a year away – then Jerry and Mike McCarthy know they're going to have to know where they look at that and say, if you don't accomplish what we hired you and brought you in here to accomplish. And I got to tell you, man, let's see who they lose in free agency. And let's see with some of the restructuring who they've got to walk away from. Is it Cooper? Is it Demarcus Lawrence? How does this play out? And if this doesn't turn out and they miss the playoffs next year, or they do what they did this year where they make the playoffs and don't win a playoff game, McCarthy's done for sure. And then you can have the conversation with New Orleans. And this is something everybody listening needs to understand. Sean Payton has three more years remaining on his contract with New Orleans. No matter what he does, he cannot go to another team without that team giving some sort of compensation that New Orleans agrees to. Okay. So they're not so they're not taking your two seventh round picks. Right. Again, this is not, <laughs> oh, well, he's not coaching and he doesn't want to be there anyway, so we'll just give you this. No, no, no. New Orleans has to let him out of his contract 
So they have to agree to whatever you're offering. Well, what might that be, you say? We have seen this in years past. It has happened a handful of times. Herm Edwards years ago went for a fourth round draft pick. Mike Holmgren, which some people may remember, went from Green Bay to Seattle. It cost a second round draft pick. The big one is obviously the John Gruden one. That was two firsts, two seconds, and $8 million. Bill Parcells went from New England to the Jets for a first rounder, a second rounder, a third rounder, and a fourth rounder in three different drafts. So four draft picks over three different drafts. And then Bill Belichick, people forget, when he went to New England originally, they had to give compensation to the Jets, and that ended up being a first rounder, a fourth rounder, and a seventh rounder that went from New England to the Jets, and then the Jets also gave them back a couple of random draft picks as well. But point being, make no mistake about this, if Sean Payton is going to coach anywhere, whether it's Dallas or anywhere in the NFL, in either 22, 23, or 24, New Orleans will get a first-round draft pick out of it. Yeah, I think so. I don't even think it's uh, really all that much uh, conversation. I think that's what will happen. Um, now, the interesting thing, man, is uh, there's there's two quotes out here from Sean Payton's news conference I wanted to uh, run past you. The first one, this is Sean Payton's uh, quote at his press conference today. I haven't gone to a tailgate ever. Um he says he sees them driving in on game days and thinks they're having more fun than me right now. How about that? Wow. Um, and I think that's what happens when you've coached at the same franchise for 16 years. You have a history of winning, winning big, but not quite getting to the Super Bowl. And you have the one, and so you're always trying to get there. It's just a lot of pressure, and it's a lot of work. And um, – you know, man, he may be at that stage Parcells used to talk about where you don't celebrate the wins at all and the losses bother you for days upon days. Yeah, and and I know you know Peyton well. And, and you look at it, and the dude's 58 years old. He'll be 59 years old next year, obviously. And I, I just wonder, is this something where you take a year off? And we've seen so many coaches do this. And you enjoy it, but you miss the game. And you miss being a part of that and then I wonder if he would look at it and say because he's not a hall of fame coach right now he's just not he's 21st all-time in wins he's got the one ring but I wonder if he would look at any of this and I don't know if it matters to him or not and look at it and say if I were to go to a place like Dallas and win a championship there and get a second ring with the second franchise then we're talking about probably one of the great coaches of all time to have done it in two different places yeah, I think, and, I, and I, I'm being serious here, um, he just got married again to a second wife uh, a year ago. So they've, they, you know, like he spent his first year with her coaching. Um, she's the former Wiss, Miss uh, West Virginia, who's 20 years his junior. Hell yeah, but my, good for him. But, uh, but my point, dog, is that he may just literally be like, oh, I got this new wife who I barely saw last year, who's beautiful. Uh, maybe we'll just go hang out with her. And, you know, just enjoy life. How about this? I made all this money. Uh, I know at least one of his kids is in college. I don't know if the youngest, if his youngest son is in there yet, but he's, yeah. he should be a junior or a senior now. And, you know, I just want to enjoy some of my money, spend it with my beautiful wife, and just chill for a minute because I've been grinding since I was 22 years old. Um, there's something to be said for that, bro. And here's the last thing, Matt. If you're good at TV, you can make just as much money with no pressure. If you like it and you're good at it. That's true. Look at Troy. That's what I'm saying. Look at Romo. Look at Romo. 
I mean, Ro- I, I mean, tell you this because my brother knows Romo fairly well, and Romo loves this life because he gets hardcore into film study and getting ready for games on the weekend, and that dude is out at Merido hitting off the range at like 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Bro, it's it's the best world. If, if you're good at it, okay, you got to be good. But if you're good at it, uh, bro, and you know. So I'll be, I'm very curious to see how this plays out, but I'm going to, and I don't even know if it, it matters that it's Sean Payton. I think Mike McCarthy's doing one more year in Dallas and he's done. Well, here's the deal. I mean, let's keep it real. Cowboys in back-to-back playoffs since, you know, forever. Uh, so the odds are that they're not going to the playoffs next year. And so, you know, we, <laughs> we should prepare for what it is or he, you know, to me, the surprise is if they make the playoffs next year. Now, I will say be. this, but again, I look at the NFC East, and Philly's going to have Jalen, and he'll be a little bit better. New York, I guess, is bringing Daniel Jones back, and then Washington's probably drafting a quarterback in the first round. Dak is still going to be the best quarterback in this division, and Dallas has shown they can go 6-0 and against the NFC East, and that might be enough to consistently get you in and win the division, but the problem is... And this is what I think. I, I, the team that they're going to bring back next year is not a Super Bowl contender to me. Well, not based on what you know right now. Right. And maybe um, something changes and maybe they get hot and they start. To, maybe the team that we have seen the last two years is completely different. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a second. Guess what Denver did to us in this game? Next time we see that, we're going to do this to counter it instead of just doing the same damn thing every year, every week. Who yeah, knows? Um, I think when, you, you know. It's, at a certain point, history matters. At a certain point, history doesn't matter because you're like, none of these players have overlapped. But again, when you haven't been to the playoffs in consecutive years since 06, 07, and you haven't won 10 games in consecutive years since 95, 96, it's hard to sit here and go, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll do it because they haven't done it in a quarter of a century. Right, yeah. You know? So I don't know why it would change now based on everything that we've seen, knowing that they're, they're going to lose some of this. As Todd, it might have been last week when we had Todd on the podcast, some of these dudes they brought in on defense were one-year guys. And are they going to want to come? If Dan Quinn leaves, are they going to follow him to wherever he goes next, or do they want to come back? I mean, there's going to be a lot of turnover of a lot of key contributors on this team this year. That's the scary part, man. That's why it was so critical that they won this year. Because when you win, you can put all that in the back burner. Yep. And when you lose, it's like, damn, man. Well, and we had that. Remember, we had this conversation before the season began. We went through and we said, the Cowboys can have success, but there's a lot of what ifs because there's a lot of new faces on this. It's what if Tank can come back and play at a better level? What if Randy Gregory with the full offseason can do this? What if Keon O'Neill? What if Micah Parsons? I mean, there's so many what ifs. And most of them this year actually turned out positive. And you're going to have some more what-ifs next year. How many of those are actually going to turn out positive? Yeah, you wouldn't think as many, but, you know, man, it's the good and the bad of what we do. Yeah. Because there's going to be so much speculation about this or that, this or that. You know, I was – I can't remember if I was doing it on the show or not. But I was chastising Claire. So I look at their schedule next year. It's like, dude, you have no idea if these teams will be good next year or good or not good. You know, or who's hurt when they play him or who's not, you know. So we figured out that the schedule is always a lie. Sometimes it looks hard and it's not. Sometimes it looks easy and it's hard. 
But, you know, just the bottom line is, dude, it's just hard to uh, it's hard to predict what happens because so much changes. The roster changes so much. And like nobody anticipated Trayvon Diggs getting 11 picks in a year and becoming an all pro caliber player or Micah Parsons becoming an all pro caliber player. And so, you know, if you have other guys who develop and become studs, you can go, oh, shoot, we didn't expect that. And here they are really good wide away. Or, you know, you have yep. a draft pick come in and do the Micah Parsons. You know, maybe Kelvin Joseph next year is like, man, I missed my whole rookie year basically, or I didn't play very much. And he's like, in year two, he's like, oh, hell, this is why they drafted that dude. Yeah, so it, we'll see. They had a lot of positives this year, man, a lot of positives. And the fact they couldn't even win a freaking playoff game. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm trying to look at this positive because I do believe in Dak. I, I do believe that Dak is a good enough quarterback to, much like Romo did, Romo won. Romo made some 8-8 eight and eight teams that would have been 5-11 and 11 without Romo. And I think there are some games that Dak can win because he's Dak and, and the other team doesn't have him. But that being said, you just wonder if this six-year period of what they've had with the youth of what Dak and Zeke and, you know, Amari Cooper and some of these other guys were, and they got one and three to show for it in the playoffs, if that's that window and it's closed. Dude, it um, if it ain't closed, it's damn near closed. <laughs> because if you just look at the ages of your best players, um, you know, they're getting closer to 30 or beyond 30, and that's not, that's not where you want them to be. And then, again, as we're talking about it, you literally don't know today whether, um, you know, somebody like uh, Amari Cooper's coming back or Tank Lawrence is coming back. I'm talking about known, real contributors. So, you know, that's why there's a lot of um, – it's just a lot of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for, man? It's a lot of angst and yep. there's a lot of uncertainty. Very much so. Very, very much so. But there it is. Sean Payton, is it ever going to happen? Is that the apple of Jerry's eye? I, 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 it's not happening in 2022. We'll see what 2023 has in store. One thing that is not uncertain, one three that, thing that will not give you angst, is a bag of brews built on. <laughs> we actually have, I think it was Ryan that tweeted us today and said, okay, I'm finally doing it, and put in his order for brews built on. And I'm telling you, Ryan, you're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love it. If you like beef jerky, you will love Biltong. It is a traditional South African air-dried meat online at brewsbiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. It is a fantastic snack. It's, it's savory. It's tender. It, no sugar. No artificial ingredients. It's, it's just damn good. Dude, the sliced Biltong, that's my go-to right there right now, bro. It's uh, it's succulent. It's tender. It's juicy. Even it's amazing because you don't associate anything remarkably close to uh, mm. beef jerky or dried meat as having all those kinds of characteristics. But that's the deal, bro. It's badass. It is. It is badass. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. And you know, we tell you guys this. They have different sizes that you can order, but they do these two ounce bags. And those bags are 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. And you can get bigger bags and eat and snack however you want. But I'm telling you, if you haven't tried it yet, make this week the week that you get your bag of Bruise Biltong. Online, BruiseBiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. 
at bruisebiltong.com. Also, of course, we've been telling you about Aaron and his guys at HFX Foundation Solutions for a while. And it's in Texas, especially. Most of you know, Texas has the wonkiest soil anywhere. It'll rain really, really heavily. Then it'll have crazy heat and such extreme temperature changes can really jack up your foundation. And, and you see some of the signs with sticking doors and cracks and soil washout. If you're seeing those, you need to give Aaron and his guys a call for your free, no obligation inspection. 817-770-0174. Again, free, no obligation inspection. They will come out and let you know exactly what's going on. And the reason why you do that is if there is a problem by chance, you catch it early. Because if you catch it early, typically it's a fraction of the cost, obviously, than if you catch it late. Um, doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and have Aaron and HFX check it out. You should do it, man. The peace of mind is worth it. That's why we call it a colonoscopy for your house. Hey, everybody needs a colonoscopy. Everybody needs this kind of a foundation inspection. Exactly. Exactly right. And if you do have something wrong, as you mentioned, look, they'll be with you every step of the way. They've got third-party financing, and they'll get you taken care of. Give them a call if you feel like you may have a problem. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundationsolutions.com. So let's take this trip around the block here. And I think you guys are going to love this one because this uh, there's so much just fun stuff in this. First off, I thought this was really interesting. You sent you sent a couple of really good articles I thought this week. So good job for you. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be a little more locked in, a little more focused, man. Now the football season's over, I, you know. Yeah, and, and so you got it, and here's one thing you sent is the NPR podcast Freakonomics, which is a super popular podcast. Believe it or not, I think they might have even more listeners than we do, which is amazing. Ha! <laughs> Damn is. But they sent their host, Stephen Dubner, and his producer, Ryan Kelly, they flew in and spent some time and did some podcasts around Dallas asking the question, why is everyone moving to Dallas? And I thought this was nuts, man. But apparently, according to a 2021 article published in the magazine City Journal, Dallas has the fourth highest growth rate of inbound migration. And the city's growth rate is also well above the national average with a population surge that's three times faster than the average for the nation's largest 50 metros. Bro, let me tell y'all something, man. Let me tell y'all something. On the real, you can feel that shit yeah, in the can. traffic. You can feel it in the congestion, man. I mean, you can feel it. Yeah, I mean, I remember it, trust me. And then when I was there over Christmas, I'm like, ah, you got to love good old Dallas. That's where the real traffic is. <laughs> A little bit no, different than Birmingham. Not, oh, shit, I bet. I've been, I've, been, I've been telling people this for years, man. And perhaps it's my fault I spoke too much. To me, to me, your boy, who grew up rugged and led better. Um, Dallas, to me, has always been probably, in my opinion, the best big city to live in. Uh, I've always thought Atlanta rivaled it. And when you throw in the temperature, again, this is just your boy. When you throw in the temperature, the cost of living, the fact that it's got all these sports teams and every sport you could want and conferences like the Big 12 associated with Dallas stuff and golf, if, if that's what you're into, like a lot of folks. I just couldn't find a better place to live, man. If you want to live in a big city, because yeah. you can afford to live in the city. 
as opposed to like California where, you know, we all know it's so expensive in L.A. or New York and even Chicago that, you know, you got to live 50 miles outside the city to, to find something you like that's, that's affordable. Well, in Dallas, that's not the case. That's very true. That is very, very true. And, and it's it's one of the and everybody in the DFW area is well aware of this. But 87 percent. Think about this. The cities, counties and neighborhoods surrounding Dallas and Fort Worth. 87% of the growth has happened outside of Dallas proper in two specific areas. And, and this is not going to be a surprise to anyone. Frisco and Keller. Well, it, South, it, South Lake. One is stretching from the northern suburbs like you're talking about almost to the Oklahoma border. And right. another one is radiating outwards from downtown Fort Worth, which we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the development of Burleson. Oaks and Alito and that in Burleson and, yeah. and all the way down to Alvarado now. And, you know, the thing about northern, and I call it northern DFW because it is, even though it's an hour from downtown Dallas, it's not just McKinney, man. When you go north on 75, I mean, they're Anna and Melissa and Melissa. Austin are exploring. Yeah, bro. Dude, them places used to be country-ass towns. Yes. Um, that you never heard of, but now they're like, you know what happened, bro? And this is how it always happens. Like, And I'm talking like the early 90s when I was covering high schools. You know, Adam, Melissa, Van Alstine, you know, those country-ass two-way schools way the hell out there. Well, now you would call them like suburban Allen or suburban McKinney. So now they don't seem like it's that that far. Yeah, it doesn't at all. And that's what's so crazy is, you know, one of the weirdest things, and I've talked about this before maybe, is like Birmingham and Tuscaloosa are about as far as par, far apart as it took me to go from where I lived in Irving to drive to my parents' house in Rockwall. It's about the same distance. But man, I swear, driving to Tuscaloosa here feels like it takes forever because there's, on the way, obviously, from Irving to Rockwall is nothing but solid development and city. And right. so there's all this stuff to look at and billboards to read and all this. From going from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa, I mean, there's a 20-minute gap where it's just woods. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. There's a rest area. I mean, there's a freaking rest area. You know? So... I've always thought that something like that is is makes it really different. But to get back to this dude, so his producer Ryan Kelly flies in. He says his first impression of the city was that wow, this is a little chaotic, and there's a lot of driving needed to get around. Now you have to <laughs> you realize think? they're based in New York City. He right, said, right. and apparently when they flew in, it was pouring down rain and all that. He said when the clouds cleared, things felt a little rosier, and I was excited to see downtown Dallas and see the surrounding area. And look, DFW is popular. It's a great place to live, as you talked about the climate. And it's it's really interesting because I don't think one thing that people don't seem to realize is how massively spread out everything is. Dude, you know, I, I, you know I, when my dad comes to visit, now he's used to it now, although he still complains about it. So, uh, you know, he's like, I can't believe it takes from here to here. I go, dude, you hop in the car, it's 30 minutes. And then it becomes, well, how much more am I going to add to that 30 minute drive. Um, but, you know, I think the, the only real criticism I have of Dallas is that 30, 40, 50 years ago, nobody thought to put in a real rail system. And by the yeah. time, I mean, I know they've got the dark buses or trams or whatever, and a lot of people use those, but nobody in Dallas is conditioned to use them. Like, nobody thinks of that as, oh, this is literally how I could get around. I mean, like, I, I've, I've grown up here. I, I never even consider, like, oh, I should get on the dart tram and see where that would take me. Yeah, and I, I've talked about that. I've ridden the dart before, but I just never, you know, with specificity 
going to a game or something. And I used to take it going down to work, but it, it's it's not really it's not in your consciousness. It's not at all, man. And some of the stuff I ran into on the dart, I was like, well, screw this. I'd rather sit in traffic. Where at least I'm not yeah. having to listen to this crap and, you know, 90 million homeless people would write it and, and some dude would sit down next to you that stunk to high heaven. Like, I'm out. I'm done. And so you're exactly right. There is that. But it's fascinating how people, and you really get a sense of it when you live in an area like I do now in Birmingham, where legit anywhere we really want to go is well within 20 minutes. Every once in a while, we might go 25 minutes. You know, and in Dallas, you it's okay. Like, I, I tell people here, like, oh, man, I don't know. That's kind of far away. That's like 25 minutes, and I just laugh. I'm like, man, you can't go anywhere <laughs> you want to go in Dallas without going 30, 45 minutes just wherever you're trying to get. Nah, bro. And so, I mean, I've accepted it now. It's just who I am, and, and I, I get it. Um, although, I got to tell you, I'm there's so much traffic these days, and I get so frustrated by it that unless I really got to go somewhere, bro, I ain't going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that is one thing with Dallas that it got to a point like that with me where we would, during rush hour times in the afternoon especially, be like, look, if we're going somewhere, we need to go. Otherwise, it's, it's not worth it because I don't feel like fighting traffic and the fact that really to get around Dallas and to navigate Dallas it, easier, I'm not going to say easily because you really can't, but easier, you got to pay a fortune on tolls. I mean, you, got, you have to use toll roads. To navigate easier, whether it's on the Bush or the North Dallas Tollway or the Express Lane or whatever, at some point you find yourself using those because it cuts off so much time. Um, dude, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I don't think there's, I don't think having a toll tag is an option if you have, to, uh, you know, if you if you have to legitimately go outside of downtown. I mean, outside of uh, go head north on a regular basis. I mean, you, you're just locked into it. it's not a, it's not some optional purchase. Right. And, and I figured that out a while back. I used to think it was optional. Like, you'd probably be surprised, man. I didn't, you know what? All of y'all would probably be surprised. But here's why I did not, I don't think I had a toll tag on my car until about five years ago. Wow, really? Because, check it out. The Cowboys, where did they practice? They practiced in Irving. And so I could, from no, my house in, in DeSoto, I could take Loop 12 to 635, get off at MacArthur, and boom, I was there. And so I wasn't going up and down the tollway with any degree of regularity. I mean, like, and I, I was not a guy who hung out in Addison or, you know, Plano or any of that. So, you know, tollway was really not a road I got on very often. So I didn't even get it. So I didn't have a toll tag. That makes sense. I, I, I can understand that. But... Yeah, I mean, it's there were times, especially when I was living there. I mean, if I was going from Irving trying to get somewhere on the other side of Dallas, depending on what time you're going, you can say you want to sit in traffic and it might take an hour, hour and 15 minutes, or it'll take you 30 minutes, but it's going to cost you 15 bucks. So then it became how much is 30 or 45 minutes of my day worth? Is it worth $15 or 10 bucks or whatever it is? Because I could get on the express lane or I could use one of the toll roads and save myself a considerable amount of time. And a lot of times, like, you know what? Yeah, it is worth it to me. But it, yeah. that's what's interesting is major cities like that. There are people here in Birmingham that have, when I brought up, and I think it's interesting because Atlanta is only two and a half hours away and Atlanta has toll roads. But I've had people here ask me, what is it like having toll roads? It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, what is it like? 
Like, well, you you talk about these toll roads that you've been on and all these. I was like, yeah, it's just you pay to use the road. And but it's interesting. And, and obviously people that aren't familiar with big time city traffic and all that, they don't realize how like they'll complain about traffic here and just laugh my ass off. I'm like, this isn't traffic. Like, like you guys, there is one road in Birmingham that has traffic, which is really bizarre, but it's horribly built and they just screwed it up years ago. But outside of that, I mean, like the major interstate here, it'll get backed up. But I mean, it's, you know, it's not an hour and a half. It's not like it is in a city of seven and a half million people. (laughs) Hell no. I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys. I mean, where there's, you know, massive roads and merging and toll roads and all, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff and, you know, Dallas is Dallas is on is getting on a level now where it's not that far away. At some point in the future, it's going to be like Los Angeles, where they're going to show aerial shots, and for miles, it's just going to be bumper to bumper lights. Yeah, I think if if especially if you're going to head out at heavy traffic times. Yeah. Now I will say this: they're doing a ton of construction in and around the city. Because they're trying to, you know, widen highways and engineers have figured out how to how to bring them in so that they make more sense in terms of how they drive and and all that stuff. Um, and so it's cool and it's good. You know, I'm just hope I'm alive to see it. You know, you know, hope it's not one of those projects that takes 40 years to get done. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't know, man. It's crazy. I will say like one thing about moving away from Dallas and then when you come back and visit, it is kind of neat to see how the construction projects that always were beating every day, you know, like three, four month chunks. When you come back, you're like, oh, wow, man, what progress, <laughs> which is kind of cool. I remember right, right, right. when I moved to Birmingham originally in 2013 and then I moved back in 2016 when I had originally left, they had just started working on the LBJ express lanes. And by the time I moved back, they were open and everything was good. I was like, man, this is awesome. It's like, I just blinked and here it is. <laughs> yeah. You blinked. We suffered. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. The other thing I wanted to get into was this, this new way of what to do with your body after you die. And you had sent me this article. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> And it is an alternative to cremation and burial called aquamation, which apparently aquamation is gentle water flow, temperature, and alkalinity used to break down organic matter. No, That's a fancy-ass way to say they boil your ass. No direct emissions of harmful greenhouse gases or mercury, no burning of fossil fuels, and 20% more ash remains returned to the family. <laughs> oh, you get a heavier urn. How about that? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's Literally. more of you to spread around to the ancestors. Hey, you, you, get, you get a bag. You I, get a bag. You get a bag. You get a bag. <laughs> dude, I got to be honest with you. I didn't realize that there was a different in ash. I just thought you burned a body and that's the pile you get. Yeah, no, nah, nah, man. See, this is interesting because... Apparently, it, it, it leaves the bones intact, and then the bones are then gathered and collected and ground into a fine dust. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, I realize your body's dead, your body's gone, and, you know, if you believe in the afterlife in some way, shape, or form, then your spirit is floating somewhere uh, with God or wherever you think it goes. Uh, so, you know, that, that could be a viable option for some people. It's, uh, it's good for the environment. That's positive. Yeah, man. I mean, this is, it is, so they say the process takes six to eight hours. 
or 18 to 20 hours, depending on the operating temperature of the equipment. The six to eight hour process takes place at 300 degrees Fahrenheit. It's like you like said, they, said, they melt you. They boil, <laughs> they boil you like, like some this eggs or so potatoes. so wild, man. Uh, who, who the hell came up with this is what I want to know. Who was sitting around the crib one day and said, oh, my God. Hey, babe, think about this. Instead of cremation, what if we boiled people? Hmm, I'll tell you exactly that. who it was. It was people who are cannibals that like to eat humans and are like, you know, we could probably turn this into a business because we really like to boil this. And they probably came home and like, oh, no, I boiled this one too much. Where else would you come up with this? I mean, I always talk about being shot in a space and never crossed my mind. You could boil me to whatever. I mean, this is so nuts. And so, I mean, this is they say when it's time for the process, the individual is respectfully placed in a stainless steel steel vessel. Alkali is added to the process based on individual characteristics, and the vessel feel, fills with water. It's 95% water, 5% alkali, heated to 200 to 300 degrees Fahrenheit, and gently circulated. I love how they're... And gently circulated. Who cares if it's gentle? They're boiling your, your stuff off of you. I, I, I was, I was going to say, ain't nothing gentle about that. <laughs> your ass being boiled alive. I don't care if you can... Oh, I guess you're not boiled alive. <laughs> no, you hope not. No, uh, no, no, you're not boiled alive. You're boiled dead. Guys, this is so nuts. At the end of the process, all material is broken down to the smallest building blocks. There is no DNA or RNA remaining. The sterile process water is released for recycling, and the vessel performs a freshwater rinse for the equipment and remains. When the operator opens the door, only the inorganic bone mineral minerals remain that are processed into a powder and returned to the family in an urn. So there you go. Which way you which, which way which way you take it, bro? And how much does this thing uh, cost? Like cremation is pretty cheap. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's a way. My God, there's a lot of questions on this. What happens to the water? There's, does this? There who cares? Let's they see. filter it and, and uh, oh, put it in it bo- say. bottles. So you, oh my f- God, this seems like a lot. And I don't they know if this filter. is cheaper than cremation. Here it is. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one place charges two thousand three hundred and five dollars. Well, I think that's a little more expensive than cremation. I mean, it's still cheaper than a funeral, though. You know, funerals can run five to pick yeah, a number. I'm out on that. $1,000. You're out on the funeral? Yeah, I, I don't see the point in spending that kind of money on me, and I don't even know that it's happening. But it's not for you. It's, it's for everybody else. I guess if that's what they want to do. Really, yeah. honestly, what I want to have happen to me it right I mean, now can't happen. <laughs> Oh, what do you, you want to be an animatronic or yes. something? I want to be turned into an animatronic or I want to be shot in a space. And I don't know that either of those is a realistic option. So other than that, I just want whatever you can. You know what? Let's do this right now. Let's Google what is the cheapest option for afterlife. Uh, probably cremation. Is it? Probably so, because it's just the cost of uh, putting you in the, in the uh, pizza oven. Okay, yeah. Funeral home's least expensive option is a direct burial in which the body is buried soon after death with no embalming or visitation. Damn, that's going to be nasty when the lights get to you. Cremation is less expensive than in-ground burial, saves land space, and allows family members to dispose of the cremains, as they call them, as the ashes are called. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess... I've always kind of thought, like, if, if those are the options, then maybe being cremated and having your ashes spread by your family, you know, wherever they want, 
whatever, because it's 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 for them. I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't know if I like the idea of being buried and, and having people looking like the coffin. I've I've always I guess my grandma got cremated. I think my my two grandparents were buried, and then my other one was buried. But I'm pretty sure my grandma was cremated. Maybe I just invented that. I don't know, but the weirdest thing to me ever is when you go to the visitation and you're staring at a dead body. Yeah. Trust me, I've, I've been to a few of those. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, they're all different experiences, bro. Yeah, they that, are. And, that, and that whole death and cycle of life thing is just a, it's just a 12-letter cuss word, brother. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I remember my grandfather, when he passed away several years ago, and it's always one of those things, do you want to see or do you not? And I ended up seeing, and now that's like the lasting image in my head is this lifeless, like weird-looking dead body just laying there. But what are you going to do? I, I don't know. So there you go. Aquamation. Maybe that's for you. Maybe it's not. Who knows? All right, before we move on, let's tell you about a couple more of our fantastic sponsors, of course. Guys, keep in mind, Valentine's Day is coming up. It is now less than three weeks away. If you haven't made reservations at a restaurant yet, you you could be SOL. You could be in some trouble, but I have a way you can save it with the new online women's boutique, KinleyRose.com. They do offer e-gift cards, and what would make a better Valentine's Day present than the opportunity for your lady to pick out a new outfit for herself? Focusing on attainable style without sacrificing comfort, a local small business, you can check them out online at KinleyRose.com. That's K-I-N-L-E-Y Rose.com. You can find them on Instagram at ShopKinleyRose. And keep in mind, if you are ordering for the first time, Use the promo code JAMSESSION10 and you'll get 10% off your first order. I'm telling you, this will make a fantastic Valentine's Day gift, something for her that she can wear when you guys are going out. Find it online at KinleyRose.com. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue. You guys love them. Yes, they've got the Jam Session Bowl. They still have it off the secret menu. You got to listen to the podcast to even know that the Jam Session Bowl exists. But keep in mind, a lot of people will be having watching parties coming up for the conference title games and the big game in February. They are offering a couple of different things here at Smokey John's. Their first down pack, which is three pounds of wings, a half gallon of brisket queso, and a half gallon of potato salad or baked beans, only 105 bucks. Or you can get the touchdown pack. Three pounds of wings, a half gallon of brisket queso, two pounds of chopped brisket, two pounds of ribs, and a half gallon of potato salad and beans, all that for just $220. And of course, if you mention that you're a Jam Session listener, when you place your order, you will get fresh brewed sweet tea or homemade lemonade, an entire gallon complimentary when you order either the touchdown pack or the first down pack. That is available for you at Smokey John's. You can check them out and find more information online at SmokeyJohns.com or swing by their physical location right there in Dallas off Mockingbird. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. It is time, as we do every week, to check in with our Cowboys insider from ESPN, brought to you as always by Blue Star Motor Group and BlueStarMotorGroup.com. It is Todd Archer joining us. So, Todd, what do you think? Dallas Cowboys head coach Sean Payton, is that is that happening? <laughs> Why not, right? I mean, it, it, got, it, it makes so much sense. And you know, one thing I wrote was, if it's going to happen, 
why let Mike McCarthy just quit in 2022? Like, everything, it, it wouldn't be fair to him. And now we can say, well, he's still getting paid $8 million for the next whatever, three years left of the deal and all that stuff, fine. But every movie makes will be well with Peyton done that. Every loss, Peyton wouldn't have lost that game. Dak's development, well, Peyton would have had him better off than McCarthy has him, all that stuff. So, you know, Jerry needs to come out and say he's McCarthy's my guy or make a move for the coach. I think it's going to be more of McCarthy's my guy, and then it's just going to be a, a season of, you know, what would Sean Payton do? That, that's going to be the entire Cowboys season if it doesn't happen right away. Well, what would you trade for Sean Payton? Yeah, that's a, I, I honestly don't know, and part of me wonders if, like, okay, the, the, the price goes down because he's not coaching the Saints, so – you know, if you, if you look at Gruden's deal that he got uh, when the Raiders traded for him or for Tampa traded for him, I, I assume it's at least a one, right? Belichick went for, yeah. I think, a one, a three, and a four maybe when he, when they, when the Patriots and the and the Jets did their thing. So I'd probably give up a one, especially if it's number 24 in the first round. I mean, what, what's your history there tell you mm-hmm. what kind of pick you're getting? So. Now, if it's three ones, nope, I'm out. Sorry. If it's, you know, what about two ones a, and two twos and all that stuff, I'm probably out on that too. To be honest with you, just, I, can, if, I can just, all right, I'll just wait a year. And then maybe, the, you know, either I get him for nothing or um, the price goes down even more. So, But I, I'm not giving away the farm. All right. Well, yeah, so you're not giving off the John Gruden two first, two seconds, and $8 million package. But, no. um, I, yeah, I think it's intriguing. So we've we've said what it would cost and what you think. What do you do? You think that he's thinking about it, or he's just like I just I, I can't do that. Oh, I definitely think he's. I, I don't even, I don't know if it's a present tense. I think he's thought about it. I think he's thought about it plenty of times. So, you know, I I, I would say I, I don't think it's going to happen because if the Saints knew this was coming, wouldn't they've already worked out it? I suppose so. Yeah, you would think so. But then you you kind of, some of Jerry's comments, you're talking about if I thought there was somebody else, you know, higher level out there or something like that, alluding to Belichick that he made last week, it makes you wonder if maybe he had had some thought about this and and that that's a possibility that's out there for him. Right. And and that's, no one in New Orleans is surprised that all this stuff came to a head today, I don't think. Like, you know, uh, yeah, the story came out over the weekend that, that he was not sure if he'd be back, but I don't think the Mrs. Benson or Mickey Loomis or any of these guys were surprised that it went today. So I'm sure there were conversations and discussions about, and look, everybody's going to tie him to the Cowboys because he's been tied to the Cowboys since he left for New Orleans. Right? I mean, we, we were talking about it. Zach, when, when Bill left, would they make a go try and go get Tom back? <laughs> we were talking right. about it a couple times during the Garrett tenure. So, and even Sean knows that discussion is, is, is has been out there because our Saints reporter at ESPN, Mike Triplett, I had him ask questions about to Sean about when you're a young coach, how do you turn down one of these opportunities? And then that got into a whole thing about Sean saying, hey, man, look, what was it, my ninth year, eighth year, whatever year that the Cowboys, the Cowboys thing died? So, you know, he knows it's out there. It's just I don't think it's going to happen. I think – because I think it would have already happened. 
And I don't think Dan Quinn is the next coach because wouldn't that have already happened by now too? Like, so, you know, that's why I think some of what Jerry said on the radio and often says on the, on the radio is performance art, not necessarily gospel. Well, let me ask you this, Arch. I wrote a column about this today, which is I think the conundrum, the problem for Jerry is he doesn't have a clear person he can blame that he can then fire and then use that to peddle hope to the fan base, which is I fired this guy, we replaced him with this guy, he's the reason why we lost, and now we can move on. Because Quinn's going to get a job, Moore will probably be back, and unless you're going to get Peyton, who's the coach out there that you go, oh, yeah, 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 that's, uh, you know, that's the genius who will lead us to victory? Belichick, that's the only other one, right? I mean, who's seriously, it's Belichick. He's the only other one that you would say. They got that guy. Oh, Cowboys fortunes are about to change, right? I mean, and we know that's not happening. And that's why, yeah, the the whole oh, Jerry pedal on hope, he had to pedal through three straight eight and eight season to Jason Garrett, and there was still hope. He, he's a pretty good pedaler when it comes to that stuff. I'd imagine by the time we get out to Oxnard for training camp, there will be certain things that happen. And, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me 26 straight years, shame on <laughs> you. You know, uh, it, it's still going to happen because if you're a fan of the team, is going to dream big and be a team and be a guy that thinks this is finally the year, even though nothing they're going to do between now and whenever the 2022 regular season ends is going to matter. It's going to be, a, and even a shot they would be the coach. Well, the only thing that matters is what you did in the playoffs. And did you do more than this year's team? And did you do more than any of the team has done since 1995? And, and I don't know if people think, they have to get to a Super Bowl. I just think they want to see them in a conference bottle game. Yeah, that's one step away from That's the very Super Bowl. true. <laughs> well done. You know, but it's, it's interesting, Todd, and, and I saw you put up this point on Twitter. You know, we give McCarthy all the crap in the world for only ever getting to one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but he got to multiple NFC title games. Well, as you pointed out, nobody's given Sean Payton crap for only ever getting to one Super Bowl with Drew Brees, and they had played in three NFC Championship games. That's it. But for some reason, we look at Sean Payton differently than we do Mike McCarthy. Yeah, and and honestly, when I put that tweet out there, I was legit asking a question. I was not siding or, like, supporting Mike McCarthy or, you know, there are some people like, there goes Jerry's minions just putting out Jerry's speak. (laughs) Like, no, it's like a legit question. Like, why is... And then you have, well, Drew Brees wasn't as good as Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I'll answer that. Drew Brees, when he retired, the only person with more yards or touchdown passes than him was Tom Brady. Like, he wasn't, like, you know, what what do we – he's in the same conversation that Aaron Rodgers is in. It's not like he was some buster or something. And, you know, it probably comes down to the history of the franchises. The Saints were so bad before Sean got there, and he turned them into what what they've become. So that, that's probably an element of it. I think an element of it, too, is the Parcells blessing. Like, he's a Parcells guy. So, you know, the, 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 the so that helps his cause. I do think he does a better job of uh, ha- having the, the media on his side and, and putting forth a public image of him being rough and tumble and this is his way and how he goes about it. That helps him. And then, you know, the fact that Mike, doesn't do those sort of things or or as much maybe right because we know there are certain times that all coaches use the media but um it's other than you know 
Sean built something, quote, in New Orleans that was bad, and maybe McCarthy inherited something in Green Bay that wasn't as bad, because obviously they still had Favre and things like that um, before he, and they drafted Aaron Rodgers. So, um, but I, I don't have a good answer other than the Parcells blessing and Sean has a, has a good PR, has good PR behind him. Because uh, even let's... statistically, their numbers aren't, offensively, their numbers aren't that different either as play callers. So, and look, there were times, and look, the kid I went to high school with was Sean, and Sean's offensive coordinator almost the entire time there. There were, there were years he called the plays. So Sean wasn't calling the plays the entire time there. So, you know, make that for what it's worth. That dude's probably calling plays during those three straight 79 seasons. Right. And that will shine for <laughs> Sean's PR people. So. Well, let me ask you this, Arch. Um, as I shift topics, does the quarterback play you saw last weekend make you feel any differently about Dak and maybe where he fits in the hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks? That means it was a good question, people. (laughs) Yeah, I would say it doesn't change where I put him in in the NFL hierarchy because I still think he would be in the 6 to 10 range. Okay. Um, So that, that doesn't change. How he ended the season, though, and it's not just the San Francisco game, and I don't want to get carried away about 43 against Atlanta and 51 against the Washington and 56 against Philly or vice versa. However that worked out, I can't remember. Um, He was not the same quarterback the end of the season as he was in the first six weeks. I don't think there's anything that will tell you different. Uh, Just from an eye test. So that's why there is the concern when you looked at what Josh Allen did, what Mahomes did, what Burrow did, getting sacked nine times and still putting his team to, to win the game. Now, some of that is because Tannehill was on the other side giving the game back to the Bengals. Uh, you know, so it, what Stafford did with his big plays, we've seen Dak do it at, at different times of different games. We've just not seen him do it in the postseason. That doesn't mean he can't do it, but don't hold me to the exact numbers of this stat. But going back to 1980, there's only been three quarterbacks, maybe 79. There's only been three quarterbacks that have been their team's main starter for as long as Dak will have been the starter coming into 2022 that have made a Super Bowl for the first time. Matt Ryan, Peyton Manning, Ken Anderson. So if you've not done it in your first, let's say it's, now he got hurt last year, so that kind of throws it all off. Let's say his first five and a half, six years, the likelihood of you doing it for the first time with that franchise that you've been with from the beginning is not very likely. Yeah, and, and that's, that's kind of summing up all the badness of her. Well, it's kind of what that it make feels everybody like, feel good? <laughs> That's the reality of where they're at, though. That's why it's such a disappointing loss this year because the belief that the team's probably not going to be that good next year. And if they're not that good next year, it, it could be another th- couple of years while they have to transition some of these guys out. And they, they're, if they decide Dak is the man moving forward, it's kind of like what the Seahawks did. Yeah, you got one early on with Russ, but then once he got paid, all of a sudden they've been trying to figure out the formula around Russ ever since. And, and if you don't strike early, like to your point, Russell Wilson's a great quarterback still. I think most people would put him in the top five of the NFL. Seattle hadn't sniffed a Super Bowl since his second, third year. Right. And, and I will say Mike McCarthy told us last week, 
this whole window of opportunity thing really doesn't exist. Like it's, it's not a, this isn't the, the, uh, Pistons going through the Celtics and then fighting their time to becoming a championship team. And then the Bulls going through the Pistons to become a championship team or, or the, or even the Cowboys, right? The 91 Cowboys lose to Detroit. And, but you felt that they were building something. I don't, I wouldn't look at this Cowboys roster and say they're building something. There's 21 free agents, and it's not 21 nobodies. Like, there's a lot of starters, key players, uh, rotational guys, a pro bowl punter, all this stuff that they got to figure out either how to keep or how to replace with a salary cap situation that is not ideal, that is more challenging than it has been in the past uh, because of a $40 million quarterback. But that's, look, hey, they, Steven and Jerry, figure it out. Like, it can happen. Like, teams can compete and, and get in Super Bowls with, with those options on the table. So, like, I, that's why I don't, I don't look at this team and say, all right, they're just building. And maybe it's because in 2007, we got fooled. We thought, all right, Cowboys, hey, that, they'll, they'll be back. It's a young team with a young quarterback. They're all entering their prime. They didn't sniff it again until, yeah, they went in 2009, made it a divisional round, but they got waxed at Minnesota. After that, they didn't sniff it again until 2014. By that time, that group of players was old. So, you know, you, now you're in a situation where you don't do it. You obviously didn't do it this year. You don't do it in 22. You don't do it in 23. All these guys are old. Like, you've missed it. So, windows are not a thing anymore in the NFL. It's Your window is one year, and you get and you better be ready to go. You, be, you better draft well because you're going to lose guys, and you better free agency well. The Cowboys did it pretty good both ways this year. But again, when it came to nut cutting time, they got cut. Plop, plop. That's them falling to the ground. Um, <laughs> you know, the other thing, bro, is that, um, uh, you know, the window was like 2016. And I would just say that the thing that I've said all the whole time that frustrates Cowboys fans is every time they've had these windows that Darcy just talked about, they've missed it. You know, they've lost when they should have. Like, you got to win one game, get to the championship game. You're supposed to do that when you're the best team in the conference, as they've been three, two or three times. Like Cincinnati right now, they've made it to the championship game. Why? Burrow's in his second or third year. This is part of their little window as he's getting young before his big money will ever kick in. So they did it. So they've got that out the way. Now whether they get to a Super Bowl or win it, whatever. But, hey, we had a year where we went to the championship game. You almost have to do it a year before it's expected, right? And again, let's exclude the Patriots from this conversation with Brady and Belichick because they don't, they're the anomaly. They're not the normal deal here. But like, you know, took Rodgers a couple of years to get going as a full time starter uh, after replacing uh, Favre to get to a Super Bowl. In fact, I think his first year losing record. So, you know, it, you better look at, I'll say it again, if you haven't done it early in your career or early ish, it's unlikely you're going to do it later with the same team that you've been with the entire time. There have been guys that have left. You know, Manning goes to the Broncos. Jim Plunkett left uh, and won some with the Raiders and things like that. But the team that either selected you, signed you as a free agent, what, uh, undrafted free agent, whatever it is, you don't do it quickly. You're, it's unlikely that you're going to get it. You're going to do it again or do it at all. Well, that's highly unfortunate for all of us. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Payton will fix it all in 2023. Don't worry. 
Yeah, we'll see about that. And again, <laughs> again, he's been to one Super Bowl, right, and, and yeah. won it. But yeah, I don't think he's the. I don't. I don't know if he like get him and you'd say okay, all is well with the Cowboys. You're gonna think that for a year, but you know, I don't. I, I think when they hired McCarthy, I think people were saying look at the track record, and now through two years, we're like, mm. people are like, eh, I don't know about that one. Well, and then to be fair, they did it fairly early on once he got Breeze. I mean, he was in what his, I guess, technically his fourth season as a head coach. And Breeze, who had barely done anything in, in San Diego, was very early on in his career with New Orleans when they won, like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, that team. Maybe, Zach, maybe we have new ideas of like, hey, forget, well, I know I already wrote the window thing, but like, this isn't about Bill. This is a year to year deal, especially if rosters change over as much as they do. You're not sitting there like no one at this time. At this time a year ago, no one was saying, "Well, they just need to sign J. Ron Curse. His defense will be better." You know what I mean? Right. Like that wasn't happening. So, but now it's like, well, they better re-sign J. Ron Curse because they don't have anybody to replace J. Ron Curse. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, dude, they they've got a lot of good players to replace. It's gonna be hard for him, man. Yeah. Which is why I think it's all poppycock. That you know, I mean, he's got to do what he got to do, but. McCarthy will be a better team next year. Yeah, good luck with that, bro. <laughs> like for real. I mean, maybe they, maybe they make a deeper run in the playoffs or whatever. But be a more talented roster? Yeah. Nah, I wouldn't think so. Right, and that's why I think you heard Zeke, Zeke's disappointment, Dak's disappointment, and obviously Jerry's disappointment. They knew that this was their best team. This was their best chance. Doesn't mean next year won't be a similar chance. But what we know right now, with all the things coming up with this team. This was their best chance. Well, Todd, as always, we appreciate it, man. Appreciate you doing it and calling in. Thanks, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, Thank you. All right. There he is, our Cowboys insider from ESPN, painting a realistic picture, a realistic picture. I don't see it as a dreary picture as much as I do very realistic conversation there about Peyton, about where this franchise is and the pieces that it takes to win Super Bowls. And, of course, as always, Todd brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. Deb and her husband, Mike, if you have not given them a call, if you do not include them in your car buying or selling process, you are cheating yourself. You are not. People will say, well, I just want the best deal. If you haven't called Blue Star Motor Group in the process of buying or selling, then you really don't want the best deal. You want to say that and act like you do, but you really don't because it's this easy. 817-881-4066. You can shoot her a text, pick up the phone, give her a call. 817-881-4066. Let her know what you're looking for. Let her know what the vehicle is that you have to sell. They will get to work for you trying to give you the very best deal you're going to get. Nah, man. The thing you got to love about Blue Star Motor Group and Deb is when the handshakes are done, paperwork's been completed, Everybody feels good when they drive off in their separate directions, man, because it's been a win-win deal. And that doesn't always happen when you're buying a car, certainly when you're selling a car. It doesn't always happen, man, but they go out of their way to make sure that everybody feels great at the end of the deal. Yep, and they will do that for you. And keep in mind that if you are looking to sell, they will come to you, and they will bring cash, and you will get cash on the spot for your vehicle. It's that simple. It's really that simple. 817-881-4066. Specializing in superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models, buying or selling. You've got to start with Blue Star Motor Group and Blue Star Motor Group. 
Com. And once you get that vehicle, at some point, you're going to need an oil change. You're going to need an inspection. We all have to deal with these things at least on an annual basis. Sometimes it's every few months. The reality of it is we all sit there and we go, well, I'm, where am I going to take my car? Where, where do I go that I know I can trust, that I believe in the work that's being done, and I don't have a feeling like I'm getting ripped off? Well, you obviously haven't been to Freeway Tire Shop yet, because if you had, you'd be like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to Freeway. I know where to go. <laughs> That's what Jacques no. does. Dude, that's because JR is the best, the very best. That means there is no better. And what it is is, man, it's the trust that he gets. It's the relationship that he builds with each of his customers, man, because as I tell you a lot of time, it's the four T's, baby. You can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car. You can trust him to use quality parts to fix it. You can trust him to give you a fair freaking price, man. And then you can trust him to stand behind his work, dog. That's all you ever want from a mechanic. Too many of them don't do it. JR does. Don't take your car to anybody else. JR is the guy. He is the guy. It's Freeway Tire Shop. They're just north of downtown Dallas, right off of I-35. You've got to visit them. You can check them out on the web. It's easy. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote. You've got to get your vehicles over to Freeway Tire Shop online at freewaytireshop.com. All right, so as we move forward here, we've got to get into this Baseball Hall of Fame discussion. As many of you know, on Tuesday night, they announced the 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame class. Now, this is a big deal because Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling are on their 10th and final year of eligibility on the writer's ballot. None of them were elected to the Hall of Fame. They are done. Only one person was elected this year, David Ortiz, Big Poppy, who makes it on his first ballot, who apparently they decided he did not take steroids. And so David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, which I think he should be a Hall of Famer. It, it's interesting to me, apparently Jeff Passan is saying that Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling will be on the today's game ballot in December, whatever the hell that is. I was going to say, what is that? I don't know, but they're not going to get elected. And, and I, I got to say, any baseball Hall of Fame that doesn't have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens is a crock of shit. Pretty much. Uh, but, you know, man, I, I've told you for a long time, man, baseball writers in general, in general, are a really self-righteous uh, group of dudes who think that the game is about them. Uh, not the, I mean, seriously, I'm talking about those real seam heads. A lot of them think that the game is about them and um, not, about, uh, not about the players or the managers or the fans. They think they, I mean, they think that they're in control of things. Yeah, apparently. And I got to tell you, man, look, the rea and I say that, because the reality of it is there are cheaters already in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, that's the and everybody was cheating or I'm not going to say everybody. A, a big majority of folks were cheating during that era. Lots of folks were cheating during that era. We don't know who was. We don't know who wasn't. Um, and to single out two guys who would have been great and would have been there anyway. It's just dumb to me, man. It is, dude. And, and I mean, that's the reality. Gaylord Perry is in the Hall of Fame because he won 300 games. Does Gaylord Perry win 300 games if he wasn't a noted scuffer and, and messed with the ball constantly? But he's in the Hall of Fame. There are guys that played in the 70s when amphetamines were rampant throughout the sport that were using amphetamines to get a little bit of a boost. Would their numbers have been the same if they hadn't used amphetamines and were tired after a three-game road trip? I mean, there's no way to know, but we put those guys in the Hall of Fame and nobody gives a shit that those guys are in the Hall of Fame. No, nobody cares, man. And, um, you know, Big Poppy. 
the only person to get into the Hall of Fame this year, elected into the Hall of Fame this year. Dude, if I'm not mistaken, haven't there been a ton of questions about him? There's been some questions about him. And that's where I don't understand it. And I can look a guy like Brady, Brady Anderson, if he had ever put up Hall of Fame numbers, you may go, that's weird. You only ever hit like 12 home runs a year. And then out of the blue, you hit 50. Right. Well, that's I mean, that's pretty much poppy. But, you know, um, like a guy like Barry Bonds, are we are we kidding ourselves? Barry Bonds is one of the greatest players of all time. He didn't shatter records for walks because he was on steroids. The dude, to me, was a Hall of Famer well before the steroid era, as was Roger Clemens. In 1986, Roger Clemens struck out 20 guys in a game. Roger Clemens was a dominant elite-level pitcher well before the steroid era. And it's, um, I think those are facts. And I think, you know, what has been the ultimate litmus test to me over the course of history when it comes to Hall of Famers and sport doesn't matter is, can you tell the history of the game without those guys? And in this particular case, heck no. You got to talk about Bonds and you got to talk about Clemens if you're going to talk about baseball. That's true. And, and Jeff Passan had an article today, which basically says this. At the entrance to the National Baseball Hall of Fame's plaque gallery, a sign hangs to guide museum goers through what they're about to see. The first paragraph talks about how players are in the hall for their accomplishments in the game. The next paragraph says other areas of the museum address the totality of their careers. The final paragraph reads like this. The National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum's mission is to preserve history, which is what we seek to do throughout the museum. Well, if you're preserving history, this is a part of the game. Now, if you want to create a wing for these guys, if you want to make a note for these guys, then I guess you've got to single them out. But to me, if you're going to do that, you got to go back and anybody who ever corked a bat, anybody who ever scuffed a ball, anybody who ever took roofies, or not roofies, amphetamines in the 70s, go and make an asterisk for them too. I mean, that's what you would do if it were fair, man. Um, and I understand that we live in a world where fairness is not always a big deal. But uh, to me, it's more about being sanctimonious and trying to act like it doesn't exist when we all know that it exists and it's part of the game during that era. No different than the dead ball era or any other era that you want to talk about. Right. Man. It's, <laughs> a, it's part of the history of the game. And, um, you know, it's like. You're not going to talk cycling and not just be like, well, Lance Armstrong didn't exist. You know what I mean? I mean, right. you're not going, you have to address it. And then here's what happened. And then here's why we're talking about it. And then you can decide whether you think he's great or not great based on that. That's all it would require in the Hall of Fame, man, is, hey, these guys, we, we know that they did this based on this evidence. You know, here were their careers before these, the, the steroid stuff. Here was their careers after. What do you guys think? But certainly they were great players. Yeah. Because everybody who took steroids didn't hit 75 homers, though. No, they didn't. And, and I mean, reality of it is, you look at this Barry Bonds. I mean, when do we even consider the steroid era? I, I, I guess 2000? Like, like maybe 98 when McGuire was doing it, 97? I, I mean, how far back do we want to go? Let's say 96. So do you just, anybody who was on the Yankees in the 96, 98, 99, and how dominant they were, they don't get in because maybe they were doing steroids. You know, but reality of it is Barry Bonds had won three league MVPs by the time 1994 even rolled around. I mean, he was he this is a dude who, if you just slice his career in half, is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and, and, and I think so. That's where now, I, I get now. Is he one of the greats 
Is, is he shattering records if you slice his career in half? No, but he's still a Hall of Fame level player. Now, here's interesting. I just looked this up, man. And this is from a piece in, in uh, it'd be interesting. I'm going to look up a more current piece. But this is a piece from ESPN from 2012 that says the steroid era is generally considered to have run from the late 80s through the late 2000s. Well, if that's the case, then how has anybody gotten into the Hall of Fame in recent years? Because you yeah. don't know. And that's part of this is that you don't know. And there wasn't a written rule at the time not to do this. Like, Pete Rose is different. There was a written rule that hung in every clubhouse, do not bet. You know, and even I think that's ridiculous. Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. But at least there was a posted rule about it. There was no posted sign, hey, steroids are illegal in this game. Dude, you know, that's, uh, no, I mean, that's that's it. Um, and then, I mean, we just can't ignore the fact that David Ortiz has had tons of, of um, rumors surrounding him and, and steroids and how a guy who, you know, spent his first, you know, six seasons in, in baseball is, you know, basically just a guy um, who averaged 30. I mean, his first six seasons, man, he's a 271 hitter with 13 homers and 48 RBI a year. Check this out, Matt. In 583 games and 2,200 plate appearances. So we're not talking about a fluke, dude. We're like, that's that's who he was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, bro, he starts launching them out at, at record pace. And um, <laughs> his last 10 years, bro, he averages 37 homers, 109 ribbies, and hits 290. I mean, you know, go figure. And look, to me, and again, I feel kind of like Bonds. I feel that way about Clemens. If you just take his career in Boston, before he went to Toronto and before the late 90s and the early aughts, when we all know steroids started getting prevalent, he had 192 wins in 13 years in Boston and won three Cy Young Awards. Bro. I I, I mean, it's so discredit and be like, okay, his 354 wins, all right. But then, again, if we're going to do that, go to Gaylord Perry and go all the pitchers that scuffed and and did crap with the ball and be like, well, some of their wins don't count either because we know that they met. But then I heard, I I forget who it was one time, was like, well, that's sportsmanship. No, it's cheating. He wasn't a good enough pitcher, (laughs) so he did shit to the ball so that the hitters couldn't hit it as well. But we put those dudes in the Hall of Fame. Dude. I've always found it bizarre of, of how we draw the line of what we're going to accept and what we aren't. Oh, man. I mean, take it a step further. You know, who's the more likable player? Is it David Ortiz? Is it Barry Bonds? Is it Roger Clemens? No, it's David Ortiz. I mean, he's on well, TV, yeah. and he's big poppy, and he always had that fun smile, and he was fun. Right. And so, who's who's doing the voting, bro? It's it's reporters. Yep, that's true. And, and so, that's what I mean when I talk about your self-importance and why you think it's about you and it's you're keeping the sanctity of the game. No, nah, man, a lot of it is just, you know, this guy was good to me. This guy was nice to me. I like this guy. This guy cheated and he was an asshole, so screw him. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, and you tell me what you think. I think um, Aaron, A, what's his name? A-Rod. Yeah. Alex Rodriguez. I think he's going to be a very interesting case. Because we we know for a fact he cheated multiple times. And so I don't know how you could – I literally don't know how you could keep Bonds and Clemens out and not keep A-Rod out. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to keep him out. You're going to have to. I mean, 
Palmero's out, and he certainly got Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah, he does. And and I, I don't know. I mean, all this to me. At some point, again, as I've said, and that's why I don't know why this is where all of it. Well, we can't put those guys in when there's so many examples throughout the history of the game of different eras and different things that they've done. The numbers have never always been equal. Yeah. And that's a great misconception of that. You know, it, the short porch of yesteryear, like at the polo grounds, where it was like 250 to right field or whatever it was. You know, before they lowered the mound and in and, and the year of the pitcher, Bob Gibson, when he's had a 1.12 ERA, you know, there's always been these different things and these small little tweaks here and there that have resulted in different numbers. So I don't know where we draw the line. And, and, and I don't know. To me, I, I just are there some guys who I think probably all their numbers were from steroids There there probably were. But the reality right, of it right, is, right. To, to me, I mean, Bonds and Clemens, to me, are Hall of Famers and were Hall of Famers and should be in the Hall of Fame. But these holier-than-thou, never-did-anything-wrong baseball writers of today decide that they have all the power, and, and that's how they're going to run this thing. <laughs> Dude, it is what it is. You, you don't have to accept it, but that's, I mean, that's just the way the votes are go. That's how they do things. Uh, I don't think a new system is coming anytime soon, so, you know. Just accept it. Yep, and uh, by the way, before we say goodbye, just a, a quick note here. I just saw this. I don't know how I missed this earlier, but the Pro Football Writers Association has Micah Parsons as the 2021 Rookie of the Year and the 2021 Defensive Rookie of the Year and Jamar Chase as the Offensive Rookie of the Year. So Micah Parsons already getting some praise. That's not the AP. It's not the official one, but from the Pro Football Writers Association, Micah Parsons already racking in some awards to go with his all-pro season. Dude, this is just the first of many, I'm sure. It'll be great. He'll be the next DeMarcus Ware being a badass on a team that does nothing. <laughs> Stop it, bro. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.